that when you say yes to the things that God is putting in your life, the impossible becomes possible. All two of you got that. I tell you right now, there is something that is, is churning. There's, there's forward motion. How many have ever been out in the back 40 just, you know, working on that pump and trying to get water out and nothing ever comes and it's just a trickle and a trickle and a trickle and it gets frustrating and then finally you hit the gusher. I feel like we're just on the edge of the gusher. So I want to encourage you guys as a church to put your Jesus on. And let's get ready to move forward with the things of God. Let's not hold back. Let's not wait for somebody else. Let's not wait for, you know, God to write 17 times on the wall for me to get what he wants to do. Take a giant leap of faith into the things that God has for your life, and you're going to see tremendous breakthrough. Let's just pray this morning, and then we're going to carry on with our message series called Follower. I'm excited about this this morning. I love when God has a different plan. I had a completely different message up till last night. And so I'm just going to go with my gut this morning, if that's okay with you. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are opening and knocking on the hearts of every single person in this room right now. And you are speaking hope, and you are speaking love, and you are speaking peace to situations and circumstances that people felt like were hopeless. Father, I thank you today that when we put you first and we declare that all things that we have are yours, Lord, the impossible becomes possible because you are on the throne. And so, Father, I just agree with what James shared this morning, Lord, in Colossians 1.18, that, Lord, you are the supreme being of the universe. You take preeminence. You are the top dog. And so, Father, we thank you today that because of that, we can walk with confidence towards the plans and purposes of God for our life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said this morning, amen. I don't know about you guys, but this entire series, this entire series called Follower, really is to set you up to look like, to think like, and to act like Jesus. How many want a little bit of that? Okay, five of you. How many want to act like, think like, love like, obey like? Do the things of Jesus, okay? That's awesome. So what this series is doing, in essence, is giving you a blueprint for what that looks like, okay? So I don't want you to come through every message and go, oh, man, I don't quite do all those things. No, just look at your life and say, okay, I did that pretty good. I'm doing that pretty good. Okay, that i got to work on, so I'm going to work on this. And you know what you do is you work on one thing at a time, Take a lot, enough time you have to do to work on one thing to get better at it, to get good at it, to get, give that thing over to God, and then work on the next thing. That's what's going to happen for the rest of your life. So let's just start the pattern, right? So this little crazy idea that hit me. How many have ever seen uh, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition? Okay. How many want them to come to your house? Okay. How many desperately are praying that they come to your house? Okay. All right. When you look at that, something hit me, because we've been talking about the difference between fans and followers, right? God doesn't want fans. He wants followers, and there's a huge difference. And this is one thing I, I realized in my life, is if you're a fan, you don't, you don't mind minor renovations, right? You don't, you don't mind minor little upgrades. But when Jesus is looking at followers, he wants to do an extreme makeover, so that when you come back to that house, which is your body or your life, your spiritual journey, it looks completely different than when you left it last time, right? So today, 
We're going to be doing Extreme Makeover Jesus Edition. Are you ready? Are you okay? Okay, all right. So where do we start? How many know, I've ever heard the sayings, uh, first things first? How many know it's good to start at the very beginning, as we learned from James a couple of months ago? Very important advice. Let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to... All right, okay, here we go. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and there's a, a phrase here that I want us to see. I want us to capture here this morning. In the New King James, it says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The word seek literally means to discover, to endeavor, to obtain, to pursue or to aim at. In other words, you're putting all your focus, your time, your energy, your desire, everything into that one thing. First means to be foremost in place, rank, or value. How many have ever felt second to somebody? How many ever felt like they're about 81st? <laughs> right? So what is this saying? It's saying literally this. If you place Jesus as the person who has the foremost rank and value in your life, then every other part of the verse that comes after it, can he ha can you, you can have it. It can be yours. The Amplified Bible, which I love the Amplified, it says this, but seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. There's a great quote by Thomas Kelly, an author. It says this, The outer distractions of our interests reflect an inner lack of integration in our own selves. We are trying to be several selves at once without all ourselves being organized by a single mastering life within us. Some of us, that's a description of our life currently, but God wants to deal with that today so that you can live life seeking him and living for him. So the key then is putting Jesus first. You say, that sounds so easy. It is. Until you wake up in the morning. <laughs> as soon as you wake up in the morning and then until you go to bed, it suddenly becomes difficult. But when you're sleeping, putting Jesus first is easy. Right? It's awesome. Just don't ever wake up. And it's, it's so good. It's so good. But the key here is that the all things of our life have to be given to Jesus. James and I did not talk to one another. We did not phone one another. We did not text one another. And God gave him Colossians 1.18 last night. God gave me Colossians 1.15-20 last night. The same time. So I find it ironic that the Lord knows where we need to land totally different notes, and I'm going in a totally different direction, but I want you to understand the importance of when Jesus is first. How many know that if Jesus is first, that means everything else is second, right, including yourself? Okay, that's good. So let's read this together, Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20. It says this, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things, say all things, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or the game of thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. It's in there. I saw it. Anyhow, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile, or another version says, to restore to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I want to mention today, and I want to talk to you today about five things, five all things referenced here that prove when Jesus is first in your life. Are you ready? You ready to go on a journey this morning? First thing is, is, is Jesus first in your dreams? Colossians 1, 15 to 16, that first part, the very first time that the phrase all things is mentioned. Other versions say everything, but how many know that when we give Jesus all things and everything, then he's in control, right? So the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. Here's what hit me when I was thinking about this. When Jesus is first in your dreams, you can put in the word goals, you can put in pursuits, you can put in whatever, but when Jesus is first in your dreams, it starts to dictate things differently to you and to your life than it ever would if you were just focused completely on yourself. There's this little phrase, and I'm going to reference it in a second, but whoever authors your dream, whoever authors your dream has the authority to create it, sustain it, maintain it, and complete it. So my question to you this morning is, Who's authoring your dreams? It's like, well, what are you talking about? I've seen so many people that spend countless time strategic planning their life. And they get to the plans of their life only to realize that God's got something different. And then there's people like me that heard God's plan for my life and said, no thanks. And ran in the opposite direction for four years. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend running from God. It's not worth it because he knows where you live. <laughs> you know, I've just realized he always has a way of finding you. And it's amazing how he brings people into your life that can find you too. And then you start saying things like in your mind, of course, you're not supposed to say this, but you're like, would you just leave me alone, God, for a second, please? <laughs> just give me my opportunity to do my own thing. God is saying, man, I love you so much, I just can't help myself. Every morning you get up, I'm ready. Every morning you get up, I'm ready to do life with you today and to see what you're going to do for me today. It's awesome. Right? So whoever authors your dreams has the authority to create it, sustain it, maintain it, and complete it. If Jesus authors them, he will finish it. I guarantee it. Hebrews 12, 2, it says this, looking unto Jesus... The author and the finisher of your faith. The author and the finisher of your faith. Jesus will finish anything that he authors. He has a guarantee that he will finish anything that he authors in your life. So why in the world, in this passage, does God ask for your dreams first? Why didn't he pick something else? Because they're the hardest to lay down. Because whatever you're pursuing has your heart, or you wouldn't pursue it. 
So he's after your heart first. Think about this. It's what you've invested in. It's what you've planned for. It's what you've put your money in. And God is saying, it's okay to pursue the things of God. It's okay to pursue my dreams. But just make sure that when the dream comes from God, that you don't pick it up halfway through and try to figure it all out and then give it back to him to finish. Just leave it in his hands and follow him. Amen? Oh, I don't know about you, but your dreams are what you're mostly tied to. That's why it's hard, and that's why Jesus asked for it first. Those who are followers put Jesus first. In other words, their dreams, the, the thing that they are dreaming about is hidden in Jesus. Because Jesus is first in their dreams. This is why Paul said, uh, you know, in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 21, it says this, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He understood that if his dreams died and Jesus' dreams were resurrected, he's in a good place. What's the second thing a follower does? What are the second, the, the second process of this? What, what else is he requiring of us? So Jesus needs to be first in your dreams. But the second thing is this. He needs to be first in your desires. The second portion of Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says this. All things have been created through him and for him. 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 I want you to, to start looking at your life right now and thinking about every different area in your life. Is your finances caught up through him and for him? Is your goals through him and for him? Is your desires through him and for him? Are your relationships through him and for him? Is it through him and for him? Why does God go after you desire second? Well, I believe there's a, there's a big reason for that. Because once you have a dream, now you have the desire to pursue it. So if he can change the dream and make it his, then the desires are naturally going to come aligned with the things of God. Galatians 5.24 says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. When our desire is through him and for him, then a very cool thing happens. Psalm 37.4 absolutely captures this a whole idea in one small, tiny little verse. It says this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What's so cool is he's saying, delight yourself in me so that my desires become your desires, so that the desires that are fulfilled in your life become his desires. We read that like, God, if I just worship you a little bit more, then you can give me whatever I want. Like a cup before I die, Jesus. Just a Stanley cup before I die. That's all I'm asking for. And he's saying, listen, it's not about that. It's not about that. One of the first things that is affected and is really, in a sense, shown by our desires is our priorities. How many have ever gone through this process the end of December after you've gained 20 pounds in three days? Right? And you get, you know, a couple days before January 1st, and you're like, I'm going to just come up with this New Year's resolution. It's going to be something I'm going to stick to at least past January the 2nd. And, and it's going to be good, and it's going to be life-changing, and everything's going to be awesome. And so we start reprioritizing our life, and then we naturally kind of camp in this idea of, well, of course, Jesus, God, you know, Jesus and God is first, and then family second, and then our career is third. How many have ever processed that like that? How many have ever ended up with those three priorities just like that? 
Jesus, God first, family second, career third, right? That's where most people land, okay? Can I challenge you this morning? Instead of worrying about putting Jesus first in your life, and don't throw things at me, I want you to follow. Instead of worrying about putting Jesus first in your life, how about we concentrate on making him the center of our life? So not just the top priority in front of every other priority, but the top priority in every priority. Listen to me here. Not Jesus, then my family, but Jesus in my family. Not Jesus, then my career, but Jesus in my career. Okay? Because when he's there, oh, look out. Look out. Because things change in your life. They will change in your life. Amen? The third thing is this. In verse 17, the very first part, it says he is before all things. What are we talking about? Jesus got to be first in your discussions. He's got to be first in your discussions. What's interesting is I looked up the meaning for before, and it literally means to be in front of. And how many have known that the worst case scenario of anyone ever having to go through anything nervous is something like what we went through this morning, where you stand up in front of everyone and somebody hands you a mic. <laughs> And says, we want you to give an answer to this question. How many of you have ever been in front of a crowd with a mic or with, you know, standing in front of a podium and you're looking at all these people and you don't have the answer? Right? Let's be honest. I've had, I mean, I've had it as a pastor where some of these people corner you with these theological questions. And I'm just like, um, hold on. Honey, can you come over here right now? <laughs> Um, there's just a guy that wants to talk to you, actually, and not me. just wants to talk to you. <laughs> right? But he wants to be first in your discussions. I don't know about you. I remember growing up, I got scared being in front of people having to give an answer to something, especially if those, those teachers that wanted to make you look bad, they would stand you up in front of the whole class, and then they would ask you a question, which they knew you didn't have an answer to. But what it's talking about here, that he is before all things, it means that he is in front of you giving answer for you. He's in front of you. So you can hide behind him. Right? But he has to be first in our discussions. Think about this. Who's the first person you go to when you need direction? Good answer. <laughs> Who's the first person you go to when you need advice? Who's the first person you need to go to when you need wisdom? Okay. Excellent answer. You're off the couch. That's good. Now, for the rest of us, for the rest of us, it's got to be Jesus. And yes, oftentimes, his voice sounds like our wives. But it's got to be Jesus. I want you to capture the very first miracle in the Bible that Jesus performed. John chapter 2. He's at a, a marriage feast, a wedding. He's in Cana. And they're obviously eating. They're serving wine. And the wine runs out. There's a problem we ran out of the best wine. What are we going to do? And it's amazing that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is standing there. And the first person she thinks of going to to start a discussion is who? Her son. First person she goes to. She doesn't go ask around. She doesn't go ask the disciples. She doesn't go ask the people who are running the wedding. You think to yourself that there's a problem with the, 
the drink running out or the food running out or anything running out, who would you go to? The person organizing the wedding. She doesn't go to them. She goes to her son, who was just an invited guest. That's all he was, sitting in the back row cleaning his sandals. He was just comfortable. He didn't want to be involved with anything. He didn't want to do any miracle. He just wanted to be comfortable and enjoy the show. So she comes to Jesus, and what was the result? Verse 5, she literally says this phrase. Whatever he says to you, do it. It's the only response. Whatever he says to you, do it. Jesus is standing in front of you, willing to take the heat and willing to answer on your life. But make sure that he's first in your discussions. When a discussion happens and there needs to be advice, there needs to be wisdom, there needs to be direction, go to Jesus. And for those who are follower, put Jesus first in their dreams, put Jesus first in their desires, put Jesus first in their discussions. Well, the fourth thing is this, verse 17, the second half, and it says, and in him all things hold together. I don't know about you, but money won't hold you together. A certain career is not going to hold you together. A bigger house is not going to hold you together. A new car, even though Betsy's on its last leg, is not going to hold you together. I'm telling you right now. Relationships that are completely healed are not going to hold you together. More friends is not going to hold you together. We must realize today that most of the problems we are struggling with, I want you to hear me now, most of the problems we are struggling with are bound to us by the very grip that we have upon them. I want to share a little story. How many ever saw Monkey Kingdom, the Disney, you know, Earth Day thing? It's cute. I'm telling you, it's cute. Right? Only one person? You guys are the only cool people in the whole church? <laughs> I was like, I was like, am I weird or what? All right. I want to tell you a story. And I want you to listen to this story because it has a significant connection to being a follower of Christ and what God's asking for. Okay? Again, what he's looking for here is that he wants to be first in our devotion. That's the fourth thing, first in our devotion. So there's a story told of an expedition of scientists who were on a mission to capture a particular species of monkeys in the jungles of Africa. It was important that the monkeys be brought back alive and unharmed. Using their knowledge of monkey ways, the scientists devised a trap consisting of a small jar with a long, narrow neck. Into the jar was placed a handful of nuts, Several of these jars were staked out while the scientists returned to their camp, confident of catching the monkeys. Scenting the nuts in the bottle, a monkey would thrust his paw into the long neck and take a fistful of nuts. But when he tried to withdraw the prize, he discovered that his clenched fist would not pass through the narrow neck of the bottle. So he was trapped in the anchored bottle, unable to escape with the loot, and yet unwilling to let it go. When the scientists returned, they easily took the monkeys captive. Now, we hear that story and we go, well, that's silly. Just let go of the loot. You can slide your hand back out. And we hear that about monkeys. We go, that's just so ridiculous. But the reality is, is we do the same thing, right? We do the same thing. We cling to the very things that God says will hold you back. So is he first in your devotion? Is he first in your devotion? We remain captive through sheer unwillingness to let certain things go. Let 
Reminds me of a song. Let it go. Sorry, I'm sorry. Frozen just came. I'm sorry, I won't sing that anymore. Oh, anyhow, that was... Disney just hit me there. I'm sorry. It just, it's like the monkey kingdom and, and Frozen and what's next? Yeah, no, not Mario. No, that's good. Fifth thing is this. Jesus wants to be first in your distress. Colossians 1, 19 to 20, it says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile, in other words, to restore to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus can bring peace to situations that you never thought could have peace. I remember many years ago, there was a lady at the church that we grew up in, and, and I remember talking to her and got to know her a little bit, and she was just a, you know, just a, a lovely lady, loved Jesus. But one of the things that I remember standing out about her was whenever there was something going wrong in her physical body or her husband's or her kids or her grandkids, the first thing she would do is she would run to the health encyclopedia and try to find out all the different things that she could be dying with. And I thought to myself, well, okay, you got option A, could be this. Option B, that. Option C is, you know, great white shark that jumps off the, off the ocean into the land and eats you whole. That's the third one. Fourth one is when a car drops on your head, so that's definitely in there. And I kept thinking to myself, okay, the problem is, is you now have faith in the encyclopedia rather than faith in the one that says, I am the master of your life. Now, that's one example. I mean, there's many other ones. Some of us are, are some of us, the, the thing that we have our hand attached to inside that bottle is our inability to let go of our financial situation and give it to God. We're just like, no, if I let go of control, what's going to happen? No, trust me, let go. Let it go. You know what I'm saying? Because then it's going to be good. But we need to give Jesus our financial struggles, our health struggles, our relational struggles. Verse 18 of Colossians 1, which James referenced earlier today, it says this, Jesus himself will come to have first place in everything. The NIV says, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Let Jesus be the supremacy to your struggles. Call out to him when you're in distress. I'm telling you right now, there's five things that followers do. They put Jesus first in their dreams. They put Jesus first in their desires. They put Jesus first in their discussions. They put Jesus first in their devotion. And they put Jesus first in their distress. And when they do that, I'm telling you right now, it is the most incredible life you could possibly live. And that's what God is asking. I was thinking about this last night. I said, Lord, I, what about those that are struggling? Because I've been there, and I'm there with certain things in my life now. But in other times in my life, I've been really struggling with certain things. Lord, what do we deal with those that are struggling? How do we encourage them to know that God has made a way, that God's paved a way? And even if right now God or Jesus has already been second, third, fourth, fifth on the list, what can I say that's going to encourage them to say, listen, it's not about where you were prior to walking in this place this morning. It's about where you're going to be after this. Okay? I want to share a verse with you. I, I, I love these little things. And I found the coolest little connection. Um, when the first word first is mentioned, obviously it's the creation story. But right after that, it's the second verse in Genesis chapter 2. 
very first time these, these word first are mentioned, and then the very last time the word first is mentioned is right in the end of Revelation chapter 22. And I'm going to just show you guys hopefully a cool little thing here. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 to 12, and I'm going to end with this thought. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. So at this point, his dreams, his desires, his discussions, his devotions, everything is connected to God. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing it into four branches. The first branch, first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where, God, uh, where gold is found. And the gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Uh, aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. I like to look into these things because I'm always like, God, what do you want to show us? Well, it's interesting when you look up the word Pishon means to spring forward. It means to spring forth. So you say, well, I don't know where I'm at right now, and I'm struggling, and I haven't good put God first. So that's okay. You can use this as a springboard this morning to spring forward. Okay? Havilah means the presence and blessing of God. So it's the springing forward of your desire and your design to follow Jesus will spring you forward into the presence and the blessing of God. But I want you to see a very interesting progression here. The first thing that happens is there's the source, the tree of life. The second thing that happens is the growth, or we can say spiritual growth, salvation, which represents the river, the river of God, the blessing and the presence of God. And the third thing that's found here is the reward, gold, pure gold. So there's a source, there's growth, and there's a reward. So many of us, I've had so many people come to me in the last number of years and say, I just don't know how to change my life. I don't know how to make it right. I don't know how to change. I don't know how to, to turn these bad situations around. It's just frustrating, and I just feel like, two, you know, one step forward, two steps back. I just, I'm sick of it. I want you to see what Jesus does here, okay? Revelation 22, verses 12 to 14. Look, I am coming soon. This is Jesus talking. Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, for they will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit of the tree of life. Look what Jesus did. Jesus took the problem, the fact that the source and the growth and the reward was out of order, and he restored it, reconciled it with the cross, the peace of Jesus, by flipping it around. And look what he did. He comes back to you and he says, listen, I'm going to give you the reward first because I'm going to restore what you lost. What was in heaven that was golden? Streets of gold. In other words, the very place that you had destruction in, I'm not going to plant the feet of your life and direct you on gold paths towards the reward of heaven. Since there was the reward, the streets of gold, plus growth, he says, the washing of your robes, which is a symbol of spiritual growth and salvation. And then the third thing was, you ended back up at the tree of life. The, and he doesn't just say the tree of life. He says the fruit from the tree of life. When Jesus is first, he can restore everything that the enemy stole from you. And he will take the source that isn't good, and he'll take the river that isn't working anymore, and he'll take the reward that you feel like you'll never get because of the struggles that you've been through, 
and he'll reverse it and say, listen, I want to let you know how much I love you. I'm going to give you the reward first. Then I'm going to show you how you can wash your clothes, which is a symbol of growth towards me. And now I'm going to say, listen, I'm your source. And at the end, I am your source. I am the first, I'm the last, I'm the alpha, I'm the omega. There's nothing else before me or beside me. In John chapter 1, he says, before the beginning of the foundation of the world, I was. What is he saying today? He's simply saying this, lock up your desires, lock up your discussions, lock up your dreams, lock up your devotion, lock up all of these things, put it in a box, lock it, throw the key away, and give it to Jesus, and leave it with him. That's the mark of a follower. That is the mark of someone who's willing to go to a next level. That's the mark of someone who says, you know what, I've tried this whole thing by myself, it ain't working. I have a question for you. Uh, this is the question I come back to with most people. The one question we asked was several weeks ago, we said, you know, at the end of the day, every intellectual can try to figure this out. But at the end of the day, they can't answer the question, what about eternal life? What about eternity? What about you die and then what? Okay? Here's my second question. Here's one I often ask people. If you, if you heard me ask you this before, just smile and nod. So how's it working on your own? How, how's it going? Well, it's not very good. Zero to 22, I had a whole bunch of good thoughts and good intentions and good training and good teaching, but so much of my life was religious obligation and a lack of understanding of the depths of God's love for me. I had an overwhelming experience at 22, and now I'm 40, 18 years. The last 18 years have not been without problems, have not been without struggles, have not been without things of the enemy coming against me, but in everything we look at our life and say, Jesus, you're first. And it is amazing to me how he keeps coming through. About the smallest things and about the most significant things. I can say to you this morning, listen, I've tried not putting them first. It's draining. It's draining. So I want to ask you this morning, I want to ask you a very serious question. If you've never put him first, why not today? Today's a good day. It's as good a day as any. Sunday's an even better day, right? It's because it's the Lord's Day. So if you've never put Jesus first in everything, why not today? Some of you are in this place right now saying, well, I gave my life to Christ. Yep. Yeah, you did. Are you going to get to heaven? Absolutely. Are you going to be able to play golf with Jesus? Absolutely. And have absolutely. He's got the best golf course up there. He already told me. But so many of us live on earth like it's our hell. And Jesus says, I went to the cross so that you could have heaven on earth. And you're living far below where I intended you to be. Far below. And God is simply saying today, listen, just, just stop trying to figure it out on your own. Stop trying to figure it out because it's not going to work. Because if it was going to work, you would have figured it out by now. Right? Thankfully, I learned at 22 that I had no clue. Other people explained that to me too, so that was always helpful. It added to the, it added to the knowledge of what I didn't have at that point. Remember you heard the, the old saying, you know, when you're a teenager, you think you know everything. When you're in your 20s, you're convinced you know everything. When you're in your 30s, you realize you know nothing. And then by the time you hit 40, you say, I don't know much, but whatever I have, I'll give, I'll give to you. 
Well, when I was 22, I was in that stage where I knew everything, right? I knew everything. Of course, you don't know anyone like that. But I realized in that moment, I had no answers to the deepest questions of my life. I had no answers. I thought I did, but I had no answers. So I want to challenge you today. Make Jesus first in your dreams. Make him first in your devotion. Make him first in your discussions. Make him first in every single thing in your life. And I guarantee you, you will get a year from now and you'll look back and you'll go, my life is different. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus for every single person that is in this room right now. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the one that can bring peace in the midst of the storm, the one that wants to be our number one, the one that wants to be the person that we go to in everything in life. I pray today, Lord, that we would make a decision to take whatever areas of our life Jesus has become second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and we place him first. We give him the highest rank, the highest value. We give him the highest position because he has the name that is above every name. Nothing can come against the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you today that as we put your name first and as we put you first, we are believing that the rest will just fall into line. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said this morning, amen. Amen. Just a couple of quick reminders.